Welcome to It's All About the Questions, where learning to ask the right questions can help you achieve lifelong success. Now, here to help you ask all the right questions is award-winning author, international speaker, and business strategist, Laura Stewart. Good morning, afternoon, and evening, everyone. Welcome to today's show. I am excited to be here with you as I am every week that I, I get to be here with all of my listeners on both iHeartRadio, WAXE, and on the podcast. This is, as you know, well, hopefully you know because you've been listening for a while. If not, first time listening, you'll know this is my favorite time of the week where I get to share some amazing people that have impacted my life or are about to impact your life just by listening to the questions that I'm asking for me, asking questions is, uh, I think it's been bred into me genetically. I don't think I have any uh, possibility of never asking questions because I'm just such a curious person. And today I get to share with you somebody who has impacted my life in more ways than I can count. And I don't even know if he realizes how much he has impacted my life. Uh, today I get to interview Father Michael Boccaccio. He was my priest up in Connecticut, but he's really a dear friend and advisor and just one of those people that you thank God every single day of your life that he brought somebody into your life that just always manages to lift you up or just hold you when you're down and he doesn't even know he's doing it. Just the thought of him helps you do that. So Father Mike is actually on the west coast of Florida today instead of being in the frigid north of Connecticut. And Father um, Mike, welcome to the show. Well, welcome uh, to you. And thank you very much, Laura. Good to be with you, even if we're not face-to-face. I, I know. And we were talking about trying to get do that. I was going to drive three hours uh, across the state <laughs> to get you. And, and then your flight was late last night. It was at 8.30. I think you were landing. And we were like, okay, this just isn't going to work. What if he's really late? <laughs> I'm not exactly, going to be alert exactly. for the show. But uh, I am going to drive over there and get to see you while you're down here, though. Oh, I'm, great. I'm really Thank excited about it. I look forward it. to seeing you. Let me know when you're going to be here, please. I, I will, absolutely. And Great. Uh, I know we're going to talk about why you're here during the show, because it, it's pretty cool what you're doing in this latest incarnation of, of your life. And one of the big things that, to me, is so spectacular about you is this whole idea about callings. and. When people think of callings, they tend to think of, oh, you're called to the church. But callings can be in anything. It can be in any aspect of of somebody's life. But in your particular case, you've been a priest since 1971, but you didn't want to be a priest. (laughs) I never intended. That's entirely correct. I never intended to become a priest. It was something I avoided. I went to Providence college intending to become a clinical psychologist and parentheses some people say i did accomplish that and the parentheses uh and i entered the process of considering priesthood because of an argument with a guy that was in college with me who told me at the end of our sophomore year that he was going to go to the seminary and become a priest and i told him what a stupid idea it was and we got into an argument for the next two years uh at which point I finally said to him something like, well, I never really knew priests did that kind of work uh, because I grew up in a, uh, an environment where the priest was just like a, a disciplinarian uh, authority in your life. 
And so I said, I never realized that. And he then said to me, well, maybe you should think about it. And I said to him, I told you all along, you're crazy, and now I know it for sure to even think that I would become a priest. And anyway, I went into a discernment program and uh, after I graduated college uh, uh, via Boston College, uh, doing graduate work, and I realized that this was not for me, and so I left the seminary, the discernment program. I worked for a couple of years, but something kept on saying to me, give it a try. I finally went to St. Mary University in Baltimore, Maryland, and if it weren't for academics, I would have left. Um, I will say that I'm a good student, and I love learning. It's a, a beautiful thing to everyone for everyone to do every day. And so I wanted to get more credits to go toward my graduate degree. So I stayed with the studies, even though I said this is not for me. But as I began to become involved in the lives of people doing social work, it began to dawn on me that, yes, this is something I think I want to do. And that is primarily what made me stay with it, being able to truly enter into the lives of people, um, laughing with them, crying with them, trying to help them, uh, struggling with them, etc., etc. And it's still the reason for my saying, what a wonderful life I've had since 71. It's interesting that you started really activating with your calling because of an argument, which is, you know, back and forth questions, arguing points that people don't think of that's how you become you listen to your calling is through an argument they think oh it's just bam it hits you and you have no other choice except to accept it um i think that the whole idea of like a direct a trumpet call saying this is uh what you are to do this is the person you are to marry this is the job you are to take is kind of fantasy because things are not that direct in the mystery of living. Things come in accidentally, and so it doesn't surprise me as a result of my work to see that happening in many people's lives. There is no direct, in my opinion, there is no direct uh, line to answering a question. So, for example, what do I do with my life? Uh, you don't wake up and see uh, you know, a big sign in the sky saying, here's what you're to do. Things happen accidentally, but providentially. Um, so it isn't like direct. Uh, and people, for example, who have been in different human personal relationships before getting married have in fact experienced that you know i thought this was a person i was going to be with but as it turns out it didn't happen and i accidentally meet someone else and i learned this last night for example of a couple who accidentally ran into each other and they've been married for 30 years now um and you know it just came about there is no direct line to uh, providing an answer to the question, who's calling me and what am I being called to? We need to be able to kind of read the signs in our lives, which are constant from various angles. I'm sitting here just absorbing <laughs> that whole conversation because for me, as you know, I've had a very what I thought was direct route as to what I was supposed to be doing, but it's 
taken me in many different directions. I've been married twice and divorced twice. And like you said, I, you know, you expect the trumpets that, oh, yes, this is exactly what you're supposed to be doing. And somewhere along the way, if you listen, you may realize, no, that was what you were supposed to do then to take you somewhere. I kind of get that that's what you're saying. Yes, exactly. And it, it, it is not a process that one does isolated. By that, I mean it's not an individual um, uh, task. For example, what I mean is running things by friends and family. Uh, let me just, uh, enough about you. Let's talk about me again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm cool with that. <laughs> uh, so, for example, when I um, was finishing my studies at Providence College, I mentioned to uh, one of my sisters, I think I might become a priest, and she said, oh, I knew that all along. And then I said, well, you're crazy, too. <laughs> so, so we need to consult other people in our lives. They see us from a different point of view. We see ourselves from one point. Those surrounding us see us from different points, and they're able to reflect on who we are, how we are received, etc., etc. And therefore, they're able to give advice and, and uh, counsel, uh, uh, consultation. Excuse me. Um, so this is, as far as I'm concerned, there is no human decision-making process that has to be done alone. And I don't recommend that anyone even try to do it alone because no one of us is an island. We are a human family. We depend on each other. We support one another. And therefore, we look to one another to help us figure out which road I take in my life and how I can stay on that road. And if I need to change it, which way do I go? Yet so often when we're in the midst of a crisis, many of us tend to isolate ourselves. Exactly, and there's various reasons for that. One, embarrassment. Two, anger. Three, I want to personally hide myself. I don't want anyone to know about my angst or my anxiety. Uh, I'm going to put up a front like life is really wonderful, and so therefore I'm not going to expose myself in terms of the agony and the hurt that I'm going through, which is unfortunate. There's nothing to be ashamed of when a person has a distaste or a disappointment. Nothing. You, if you walk through human history, <laughs> locate for me a person who's never had that type of experience. I mean, even in the gospel passages regarding Jesus as a human being, I mean, he was, you know, like sometimes very frustrated, very angry, uh, trying to decide what to do. It's part of the human reality, and it does not need to be alone. There's nothing to be ashamed of, as I've already said. Well, it's interesting because as I've been grieving my mom's passing, other things have come up, and there are sometimes that I find I don't, I can't reach out. I, I just, I can't even pick up that phone to call somebody, and I don't realize that it's in that moment that I really need somebody. <sighs> uh, first of all, let me just share with your audience how honored I am to have been a part of the burial services of your parents. Um, and uh, your audience may not um, 
uh, understand this, but when you get a chance, tell them how we ended the ceremony by throwing in the cigar and the bottle of scotch and vodka. <laughs> <laughs> you, you completely shifted my whole idea of what had happened with my parents in that moment. Uh, well, as I said during the prayer service, they uh, have decided uh, with the assistance of the divine, as any one of us experience the divine, to enter into what I call eternal life. And obviously for me as a uh, Christian person, it's the Jesus who says, I am the resurrection and therefore come to me. So as I said then and there, your parents have decided to go to the big party in the big skies. And they're running around having a grand old time. But in any event, let me get back to what you were saying. Grief, by the way, as I've already said to you, is overwhelmingly difficult to walk through. Uh, in my experiences, um, getting over someone's death can minimally take one year. You have to go through all the various important days, uh, dates, days and dates of that person's life. For someone who died tragically, like overnight, let's say in a car crash or whatever, it can take well over two years the grieving process and yes uh, your your human uh, evaluation of what you are experiences I have found to be very common namely I'm I'm hurting I really want to call someone but I won't call someone I think some of the reasons behind that is I don't want to bother someone I don't want to exhaust someone I don't want to be over demanding I don't want to uh, impose my hurt on that person and that's a difficult thing to get over because you aren't you're ve ve it's an invitation to someone to say bond with me and unfortunately people don't take advantage of that of that opportunity so just when you think you're not going to call someone because you're hurting you're right that's when you call and you just simply say or text or email, I'm hurting, I just want you to know. Um, uh, it's an honor to be able to be invited into a person's life. Uh, it's, a, it, it's a grace because it keeps us connected, it keeps us united. I repeat, none of us should go through the struggles and the joys of life alone. We always... I'm sure that you've seen that when people are laughing, they want someone else to laugh with them. Yes. All right? So the same thing is true of the other uh, extreme emotion. When I'm sad, I want to share that. Um, so I see it as an invitation to expand and cement the bond of friendships and family relationships. And in fact, there's a third possibility, namely connecting with new people in my life. So for example, in this particular regard, there are lots of bereavement programs sponsored by houses of worship and or um, charitable organizations, and you get to meet new people. So it's not only my past, it's also my future. I love that. That is a beautiful way to go into um, our first commercial break which okay. uh, we were just so involved in conversation 
<laughs> this this first segment went really long because there there's somebody out there I know this that what Father Mike just said it's it was said for you. I know it was said for me, but there's somebody out there I know who's hurting and is feeling a little bit isolated right now. And I encourage you to reach out. And if you don't know who to reach out to, please reach out to me, Laura at laurasteward.com. And we'll be right back with four from, more from Father Michael Boccaccio. So Father Mike, what you were just talking about is, is so powerful, not only because of, of who you are as a person, but what you do for a living. You spend time with people at the highest of their highs and the lowest of their lows. How do you manage to keep your balance during all of that? Um, not to play on words and nor to uh, qualify your question. I don't think of it as a living. I think of it as a ministry. Mm-hmm. And that pretty much is my answer. Uh, how do I keep my balance? I keep my balance by realizing there's some way I might be able to help people, but also, Laura, I might be able to be helped by people uh, in terms of my struggles and my difficulties, which uh, I would say that every religious leader, no matter what country, what history, has. Uh, there, There are frustrations, there are difficulties, there are tensions, there are issues, etc., etc. So, I look upon this again as a, uh, an opportunity to be a part of each other's life. And again, as a Christian, I see it as a way of the Lord bringing us together in terms of um, dealing with things. And by the way, just one qualification: when I talked, when we talked before about the grieving process and looking into uh, others coming into your life, etc., etc. It's not only for grieving. As I said initially, it's all about, like, you know, what do I do with my life? Who do I marry? What job do I take? What do I move? Blah, 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 blah. Um, it has to do with every human question that we have. But anyway, to uh, go back to what I said, I am a supported by the fact that I am ministering to and being ministered to by the, the people in my life. I serve them, they serve me. So you get just as much out of the interaction as you give, sometimes oh, even more. Absolutely, absolutely. That's one of the beautiful things about, about who you are. I'll never forget the, the first time we met. I, I showed up at St. Philip's Church in Norwalk, and I, I went to church by myself, and I hadn't been involved with church in a long time. I was really angry with God after my brother died when I was 10 and just never really found anything. And somebody said, oh, Father Mike's really awesome. You should go over to St. Philip's Church. <laughs> and I happened to go one of the days that you were leading Mass, and I walked up at the at the end, as the priests always hang out at the back of the church afterwards and greet people. And you looked at me and you went, I don't know you. Who are you? and that was the start of a a beautiful friendship because you just made me feel so welcome into a space that i felt awkward about let me share a very funny with you this past weekend uh helping out a parish in fairfield connecticut i 
uh, was at the door, as you just mentioned, and this woman came up to me and she said, I really liked your homily, uh, especially the the uh, subtle point you made. And I said to myself, my heaven, my Lord, I have never been called subtle in my life. <laughs> <laughs> and I wanted to le- I, I wanted to put her in a glass box so I can have have a picture of this. So you're right. Like who like who are you? Yeah. I was really I, subtle, wasn't I? Yeah, you were. And and next thing I knew I was completely entrenched in in everything going on and I was a part of the church and you were introducing me to people and I found out all these people I knew that went to the church and mm-hmm. and uh we've been we've been friends ever since. I I'll, I'll never forget the first time you came over my house for dinner and I had invited a bunch of people over and we just had this great time, and the next time I invited my friends over, they're like, is Father Mike coming too? He's great. We want to hang out with Father Mike. Because he's so subtle. Because <laughs> he's so subtle. <laughs> <laughs> you know, most people think of being a priest as very ritual. There's there's a lot of ritual to it. And, you know, there's a progression that you should take, like in, in a job, right, where you would move up certain hierarchies. And I know you've made some, I'm not sure they're choices. It's almost like you were directed and you just listened. I mean, you've been head of canon law. You've been involved with canon law. You're now part of the pontifical, the director of the pontifical mission to Italy, which I know you love going to Italy. It's one of your favorite places (laughs) in the world. And I have a, a picture hanging in my house that you brought me back from the town in Italy where your family was from. How does somebody know it's something they should explore, that there's a direction that, okay, I should, using my geek term, click on it and say, let's step there. Did you know which directions to go? No, and very often, um, it, as I mentioned earlier, it's accidental. Things just come into your life without your even knowing, and they develop. Um, uh, speaking of you know, my role of directing what is called the Canon Law of the Canon Law Society of America Convention, uh, that was the result of uh, a meeting I went to in like the year 2000, uh, in uh, just beyond New York City, and there was a crisis in terms of organization. And so I said, I'll step forward and help with this. And that led to more and more involvement. And next thing I knew, I was on on a national level. I never intended it, never even thought it would come about. Um, And in terms of, for example, my work with the Pontifical Mission, um, that uh, is the result. This is unfortunate to say, but that's the result of a priest who was very, very ill, and the bishop needed someone to come into the office. Um, uh, I will boast in the sense that I do have good organizational skills, and he is aware of that, so he said, can you come in and help? And again, that was n- We're nothing We're going to go I into the planned. national news break. Father Mike, hang on one second. Oh. Welcome to It's All About the Questions, where learning to ask the right questions can help you achieve lifelong success. Now, here to help you ask all the right questions is award-winning author, international speaker, and business strategist, Laura Stewart. 
Welcome back, everybody that's joining us live on iHeartRadio. And for those listening on the podcast, this was really instantaneous. And hopefully you've been enjoying the show so far. I'm here with Father Michael Boccaccio, a man who has impacted my life for many, many years, helping me discover who I am as a human being on the planet and what my ministry is. And I know that this radio show is part of it. Father Mike, you were just talking prior to the the national news break about the the whole idea of of listening and sort of that you know it's not trumpet callings always that tell you what your next step is and it's it's I laughed because you goes you go I don't mean to be boastful because I've never heard you be <laughs> boastful <laughs> in my life so let's let's continue that thought process because you're like one of the least boastful people I know it's just you are who you are and it's a privilege to be a part of your life. Well, thank you very much. Um, yeah, uh, I just want to, again, uh, reshape your words, if you don't mind. You said that something to the effect of, it isn't trumpets always. I don't think it ever is trumpets. And, that, and that's the beauty of life, that we don't necessarily know where that road is going to take us. I don't think there's ever a time where we know exactly at a given moment who we are, what we're to do. The, the, the beauty of human life is that we are constantly, as it were, in motion. We uh, find ourselves coming upon new experiences every day, things that we didn't expect, things that absolutely overwhelm us with joy, things that really challenge us. So that, as far as I'm concerned, there are no trumpets. Um, there are small indications, but surrounded again by the help of those who are important in our lives, family, friends, um, etc., co-workers, fellow students, whatever, 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 um, that combined becomes a sign of uniting us to decide who and what and when and where. And I have found that to be so true in my own life, as I've already said. Yeah, I mean, some of the other things that you've done in, in the community is you've been a chaplain of the Norwalk Police Department, and you did that for a number of years. And that was a, a wonderful experience. Um, this may be somewhat controversial um, uh, in terms of... It's already controversial because I'm interviewing a priest on the radio, so I'm cool with that. <laughs> why Why is that controversial? It, it's really fascinating how many people just have trouble with the idea that you can speak to somebody, just the whole idea of faith. It, it is amazing to me. I've been accused often of... You're very religious, and and you shouldn't, on my email signature, it says, with God, all things are possible. And when I started speaking and writing my books and, and doing the radio show, people are like, well, you can't say that. And I'm like, why not? It's, it's who I am. And they're like, well, it's controversial. And I said, no, it's just who I am. And on that note, I just want to say that our country is becoming more and more uh, less geared toward faith. Uh, I remember, for example, when February 14 used to be called St. Valentine's Day. Well, eventually, I would not be surprised if March 17 becomes Irish Day. Instead of um, St. Patrick's and, Day. 
Yeah, and uh, and I'm waiting for the movement to change the name of St. Louis, Missouri, etc., etc. And I have a particular interpretation of why people want to disregard the role of the divine in their lives, and I call it, I don't want to be responsible. Oh, that's I interesting. Want, I, I, I don't want to be accountable to anyone inferior or superior. Uh, I will share with you something that really irks me. I cannot stand, and listeners, I'm sorry if I'm offending you, but when I hear this statement, I'm offended, and I have the right to be offended too. Namely, the sentence is, I'm not religious, but I'm spiritual. I have no idea what that means. It means to me, I would love to get a good explanation. It means to me, I, again, have no accountability to anyone but my own self because I'm in charge of my spiritual direction. I'm the one who designs how I will live spirituality, and I want to know what that is beyond a psychological mantra. I have no idea what that means. I realize and I understand that organizational worship can cause lots of problems. Laura, I have in my many years have people come to me and say to me, I don't like the church because of the following reasons. And I say to them, I could top your reasons easily, <laughs> but, I but I love the church. What is it that Be you love? I love the fact that we are all working together to try to figure out what life is all about. I want to be a part of the I want to be a part of the 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 discovery of what humanity is all about beyond the human experience. Because I believe that earth is not just it. I strongly believe in the afterlife. And I feel sorry for those who don't, who think that uh, when you take that last breath, that's it. I, I find that very difficult to digest because you're saying that your life was worthless, your life has no significance, your life has no history, and therefore just put me in the ground and forget me. I find that so sad. For someone to think that once, once I put the period at the end of the sentence, I am a nothing. I, I, I just have a, I feel badly for those who believe that. I really do. So what, what excites me is the discovery of who we are and where we're going. That's such a beautiful, beautiful way of describing faith and and religion and a formalized religion i i've been a catholic my entire life i've had moments where i've been a lapsed catholic in terms of going to church but i've always had faith in in some aspect or another and when my mom passed away i felt her go to something more mm -hmm. but it wasn't until the service she did at the grave that i really got it i think on a cellular and intellectual level it was like it all merged and that's why all of a sudden i felt lighter and happy because i knew it i just knew it in every fiber of my being and i wish that everybody could feel that and know that that way 
Um, I do, too, and I try to uh, help in that uh, realization. I just want to make a distinction here for our listeners. Having faith is one thing, and that's wonderful. Um, and by faith, I don't mean the I'm spiritual but not religious junk. And excuse me again for being so subtle, <laughs> calling it junk. But in any event, in any event, having faith is wonderful. I believe in something beyond myself, something that is divine, not just merely spiritual. However, having faith does not mean I'm a part of a worshiping community. Yes, I can have faith and not go to church or go to the synagogue or go to the mosque. I can have faith and I can live faith, but that doesn't mean I'm joining with others in a very public way, recognizing the fact that we need each other. Having faith becomes isolationistic. Mm. Uh, unless I express that with others in whatever form I want to do that. But just to say I have a life of faith, again, that kind of makes me um, in charge of my own life, uh, which puts the divine on a level in which I will interpret the divine. So if I want the divine to say to me in faith, uh, it's good to go slash tires, then I'm doing it. You know, because God asked me, and on that note, and in terms of the history of all religions, and we are currently experiencing it right now, is I love God so much that I have to kill you. Oh, okay. And if you walk through history, and again, we have been experiencing it uh, in our own world these last few years. Uh, I, I want to speak about some of the Christians who are being killed in the uh, in, in Asia Minor. I love God so much that I have to kill you. Well, and that is such an amazing uh, conversation, and we're going to go into our last commercial break. And, and I think that conversation, no, I know that conversation actually leads to one of the reasons why you're here in Florida and you're going to share that with my listeners when we come back from this commercial break. More with Father Michael Boccaccio. Okay, Father Mike, let's continue along with that conversation about this idea of you can do whatever you want in the name of faith. Well, as I was just saying, uh, depending on how I approach my faith, um, I can therefore justify my evil actions. And the example I was giving was, uh, I love God so much I can kill you. Uh, walking through human history, there have been more religion wars than there have been civil wars or global wars in terms of religions hurting each other, offending each other, which is just so unfortunate because it's all being done in the name of God. Uh, and I just don't understand that. Uh, and I find that very difficult to, to uh, deal with. Um, but again, our history has shown that, and we're experiencing it now. I just gave the example of, the, uh, of Asia Minor Christians being killed because um, they are not following the faith of someone else, and therefore that someone else says, my God, whom I love, told me that I should take your head off. One of the things that happens during during Lent, 
in the Catholic tradition and in a lot of other religions as well and in their high high holy days is this idea of mission where you reconnect to your your religion your faith your your calling in a, in a lot of ways and I know people that are Jewish, that are Muslim, that are Buddhist, that are Catholic, that are Christian, of all different sects of Christianity. And what I've often seen is how those religions get bastardized for somebody's purpose, as opposed to what the the religion or the faith basis was all about. Now, you're here in Florida to really help people reconnect to the their roots of being Catholic, right? Well, um, I hope I hope I succeed. I'm here to uh, do what is called a parish mission, and you're exactly correct. All religions have that period of time to reflect. Uh, the Muslims have Ramadan. The uh, Jews have uh, their their holy days, especially for Yom Kippur. Uh, I'm not too familiar with Oriental re- religions, and I apologize for my lack of knowledge. But in any event, yes, I'm here in Spring Hills, Florida, on the other side of the state. I'm going to be doing a parish mission at a church called St. Francis Cabrini. Uh, I'm going to be talking at all the masses this weekend. Uh, then I'm going to do a presentation on Monday, uh, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday night of of next week. Everyone and anyone is invited, no matter your background, no matter your religious affiliation, and no matter if you're spiritual or not religious. It makes no <laughs> difference. People are people, which is wonderful. Yeah, that's why I'm here. It's something I've always wanted to do. Um, uh, and having entered into a semi-retirement phase of my history, I'm now able to do it. So this is actually the first time I'll be doing something like this, and I'm really very, very excited. Uh, I've learned that St. Francis Cabrini Church is a large population. Um, uh, The church holds about 1,800 people. I'm looking forward to being with them, praying with them. And I just want to go back to a word that I used before. Prayer is a public event. And it's like when we gather with one another to watch a parade, when we gather with one another to celebrate Grandma and Grandpa's 60th wedding anniversary, it's that gathering that is the experience. And it's just wonderful to see us gather because it, we, be, we bear witness to the fact that, yes, we're here because we are a people uh, trying to figure it all out. And anyway, yes, that's why I'm here in uh, Spring Hill. Uh, my, my, over, my overall title is Once Upon a Time We Started. And, and what does that mean to you? Well, it means uh, going into our history. Uh, what I'm going to basically be doing is trying to give the scriptural roots of our uh, liturgy, uh, which is very common to practically all of Christianity, not just to the Catholic Church aspect of it. Um, so I want to walk through the history that we have. My my opening talk is, OMG, what am I to wear? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm laughing about it, but I remember growing up that 
you know, you dressed in your Sunday best. And now people go into church in all kinds of clothing and they they dash in, they dash out. And in, in even the, the priests, the clothing that you wear signifies stuff. But we don't understand that and what the historical meaning behind it was. Right. And by the way, I'm not uh, addressing that to those who are part of the assembly coming into worship. I, uh, uh, I'm happy people come. Uh, I, don't, I don't care. Uh, hopefully clothing is decent. Uh, but uh, <laughs> I'm not um, qualifying uh, the wardrobe of people coming into the public gathering. I'm talking about what it is we wear and why we wear it. Uh, so when I say, oh, my God, what am I to wear, the first thing I'm going to ex- try to explain are the various colors of the church. Um, that's going to be on uh, Sunday night. And I'm also going to talk about the structure of the, the Mass in terms of where, the, where do these words come from. Uh, and primarily they all have, I shouldn't say all, the majority have biblical roots. And I'll explain that again on Monday, on Monday night, uh, where I will talk about what is called the liturgy of the table or the liturgy of the Eucharist. And I begin that talk, I mean, I title that talk, Where is My Place Guard? And by that I mean every one of us who comes into that public setting has a role. So where is my place card? And then on Tuesday night we're going to be having what is called a penance service. It's basically a review of my life. Where can I uh, begin to improve myself in terms of my relationship to one another, to myself and to my God? And one of my favorite topics is that the title for that night, namely, God Ain't So Powerful. Let me just go back. When you said before you were angry with God because of your brother's death, um, God did not cause your brother's death. God cannot cause death. And uh, there, one of the things I like about God is that God ain't so powerful. Let me give you another example. God cannot not love you. God does not have a choice. And God cannot not forgive you. God has no choice. So that's Tuesday night in which I'm going to say, basically, no matter what it is you want to be forgiven for, no matter what it is you want to strive for, God is going to be there with you. And then on Wednesday night, we're going to conclude with an actual Mass in which I'm going to kind of do a running commentary of it. And (laughs) that title is, For God's Sake, Get the H Out of Here. (laughs) And part of of that night is going to ask people what you think the H is. And I am thinking that most people will think what it actually isn't, and I'm not going to tell you what it is. <laughs> so I have, I have a question. We're almost out of time on the show today, yeah. and I could t- speak to you for hours and hours and hours about all of these topics. Is it going to be recorded? Do you, do you think the, the church will I, record it? I, I don't know. I have no idea. Oh, I wish they would. For those of my listeners that aren't in the area or can't get there, I think what you're talking about can help people of whatever religion or faith they are to help them begin to understand their own. And uh, thank you so much for bringing in the the universality of this. That's one of my ambitions. Uh, I'm not speaking just to Catholic people. 
I'm not just speaking to Christian people. Um, we are all human beings, brothers and sisters, and we all share so many human realities. Um, I mean, obviously, the the focus will be on the the uh, our life as Roman Catholics, um, but it's as I say open to anyone. I will ask them if they're going to do it. I have a yeah, meeting please with do. them tomorrow. And, okay. and we have one minute left. So how can people reach out to you if they have questions? Okay. Uh, you can go to uh, uh, the, my, the, the diocesan uh, website, which is Diocese of Bridgeport, D-I-O-C-E-S-E of Bridge. B-R-I-D-G-E port.org uh, and then you can uh, in the find box you can put down Father Boccaccio okay. and that's B as in bless O-C-C-A-C-C-I-O I want to thank you so much for being here with me today I know that you you were hesitant because you, you wanted to do it in person and that just didn't end up happening but I feel very blessed to have my listeners meet you well, I'm blessed to be able to communicate with you and your listeners, and I want to thank you so very much, and I look forward to our being together face-to-face soon. Me too, and everybody remember the right questions truly can change your life. So what are you asking yourself today? Hug someone you love, have a great day, everyone, and see you next week. You've been listening to It's All About the Questions, starring Laura Stewart. Connect with Laura at itsallaboutthequestions.com, and download a free workbook that will help you ask better questions starting today.